Okay, so, um... Opening bits are for losers. And we're not yeah. losers, so we're not, we don't do opening bits now. Yeah, we're not um, losers. Uh, we just talk about raccoons on a podcast that four people listen to. Yeah, sometimes I think about how I used to actually have, like, a scripted opening to this thing. Like, uh, years and years ago, but... What's your favorite porn genre? Oh, yeah, I, I'd completely forgotten the questionnaire. <laughs> I I forgot that was a thing. I mean, I remember, like, hello and welcome to Shaq Funk, I'm Jade, and I'm joined this week by, insert name here, um, but... That was my favorite guest. Yeah. Such an yeah. insightful commentary. Yeah, it's too bad they uh, left the community all those years ago. Yeah. I miss you, insert. Mm. Please come back. No, they're not. I don't know. Does anybody in this fandom actually still follow? I mean, I guess the people in actually in the fandom follow <clears throat> um, Dice Funk, the supposed source of the fandom. Um, I don't know. Most of the people I talk to, I don't think, really keep up with it. I have not listened to the final season yet again. Hmm. The um, season nine, because um, they're they're on season ten now. Yeah, uh, wait, I haven't listened to eight either. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because I mean I got halfway through season eight and then bailed after a certain tragic moment happened, um, and then I didn't listen to nine at all, and it sounds like I didn't miss anything. And season ten, I've been listening to it. But I'm I only now listen to the episodes that Leon is on because Leon is back and he's finally playing Bill Webb the duck, and yeah. he he's a duck on a spaceship who carries a big knife and he just kicks a lot of ass. Nice. And so that's fun. And then the rest of it, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about the socio-political ramifications of illithids in space i just want a, a duck to kill things with a big knife that, that, that's all i'm here for we can make a video game where a duck kills things with a big knife mm. yeah yeah that's uh, the sequel to um untitled goose game yeah so now the goose has a knife <laughs> is that the subtitle <laughs> yeah <laughs> Untitled Goose Game, now with knife. <laughs> it's it's just the first game, except you have a <laughs> knife and you can stab yeah. people if you want. Yeah, you can stab them, but it's realistic and that they won't die right away. So, <laughs> they'll just be running around bleeding and trying to get the knife away from you. Or running away from you. You like, you like stab the gardener in the shins and he's oh god. <laughs> And all of your checklist is just, you know, horrible things to do to people with your knife. No, it has one thing on it. It's murder. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never checked off because you never murdered enough. Oh, man. Uh, we can make that. I mean, mm. after, with maybe, like, years of... Uh... Yeah, programming knowledge, but we can do uh, it. We we can try to find like a programmer on Fiverr and just say like, "Hey, uh, can you modify Untitled Goose Game to? <laughs> Here's a five dollars. Can you modify Untitled <laughs> yeah. Goose Game to let us stab people with a knife?" 
Here's five dollars. Add a brand new mechanic to this game, along yes. with dozens of animations for <laughs> every human character. Yeah. <laughs> but you can put that, your name on it. That, that's fine. We'll we'll let you take the credit for this great idea. Was that not enough? Here's twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Buy yourself one McDonald's combo. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, so anyway. Um, anyway, Howard the Duck. Yeah, he he does appear in Gar- so Guardians of the Galaxy uh volume 3 is going to be the topic of the first however much of this podcast and I will try this time to actually post a time in the description of when we stop discussing spoilers, although as we were talking about before recording I don't think the movie can really be spoiled. Um, so, okay, so if this statement I'm about to say is a spoiler for you, then I guess the movie can be spoiled, and if you haven't seen it, then, I mean, one, go see it, two, you can skip to the the time if you want. Um, but if this statement for you doesn't sound like a spoiler, then congratulations, this movie can't be spoiled. It's just a fun experience. Um, so, spoilers... Nobody dies, except for the like the main bad guy and some unnamed characters. The whole team lives. Star Lord lives. Rocket lives. Drax lives. You know a- anybody who you thought might die, they don't. Um, it's happy endings all around. So, you know, it, it's nice. It's a it's a fun movie. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's I don't think most... it can really be spoiled. It's the most fun I've ever had with a movie that's made me cry <laughs> a <Yeah>. lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I felt like, like I guess you know, Rocket and his backstory, there's, you know, some tragedy there. But I, I felt like I cried more at two. Like, this movie, it didn't have the he might have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy type of moment. But, like, like, I don't know. Like, I think... One, overall, it's a fun movie. It maybe hasn't held up as well because it did kick off a trend of undercut the moment with a joke, uh, which was fresh at the time, but quickly became uh, annoying. Yeah. Um, Two, I think, is... For a lot of the movie, it's like, ah, it's fine, it, it's good, it's a little bit of a downgrade, but then, like, Yondu's arc and Yondu's final moments just really carry the entire movie. Like elevate it to a level above the first one um and the third one i thought was good you know it it doesn't really have that like kick in the teeth kind of moment but you know that it's a fun movie so it doesn't have to um like all the characters are good the villain is you know a really cool villain who or like just the, the kind of villain you can hate and but it's not like, oh, he wants to destroy the universe or some stupid shit. Like, his motivations make sense. He's just a dirtbag. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he is he, yet, yet another, um, terrible father figure villain, which... Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's, you know, the kind of god-complex mad scientist who... You know, it's just playing with lives and doesn't see, you know, any worth to anyone other than himself. 
Yeah. Let's see, I'm trying to think who he reminded me of. Um, I mean, he is he is actually kind of like Thanos, where like he has a very specific weird goal, mm. um, and he, he just crushes people uh, whenever it suits his goal, but. Yeah, and I guess like he, like he, Thanos, he sees what he's doing as a good thing, even though it it's just you know manipulative and shitty. Yeah, and like Thanos, um, his stated goal is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> and he just does things because it makes him feel powerful. Oh yeah, I mean, like he's a giant hypocrite, and like the movie itself makes that clear. There isn't, you know, like Thanos had because Infinity War is so much Thanos's movie. Like that's you know why you get the idiots who uh, you know think Thanos was the hero all yeah. along because you see his perspective so much. Um, the the guy in this movie, it's, he's the high evolutionary. I mean, we're we're in spoiler territory. You've had your warning. Uh, you can check the description for you know time, whatever. The the villain is this guy called the high evolutionary, and his whole deal is that he wants to elevate. Uh, he wants to create what he sees as the perfect version of life, like create like a perfect society on a perfect planet, um, and. You know, he does that by, like, taking animals, mostly from Earth, apparently. I, I didn't really see any non-Earth animals, but... You know, he does have, like, a fascination with Earth. He he created his own planet that he calls Counter-Earth. That's, like, his experimentation ground of, like, where he puts the creatures he's created for this, like, perfect, quote-unquote, society. Um, but, but it is very clear in the movie that he, it, like... It's just his personal god complex that he's acting out, you know, by, like, I'm going to take these creatures and improve them, and then they will become my, you know, perfect, create flawless creations, and if there's any flaws in them, I will exterminate them and do it again until I get it right. But, but then, like, Rocket is one of his creations, and Rocket displays, you know, like, flaws but also the ability to think for himself and to identify errors in the high evolutionaries like scientific processes and that disturbs him because he as much as he wants everything to be perfect he also wants it all to be subject to him and he doesn't like the idea that any of it could possibly outsmart him so he's like obsessed with rocket yeah he's Obsessed with and scared of Rocket because he, his own creation surpassed him, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that scares him. Yeah. <laughs> as much as, it scares him as much as it excites him. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, cause, uh, so, like, uh, Rocket's store, so, this movie, uh, it, uh, it starts off, so at the end of Guardians 2, they had teased Adam Warlock is showing up, and then obviously, you know, because complicated reason, he, he never showed up until now. Um, but Adam Warlock is sent by uh, the Sovereign, the Golden Woman from 
Guardians 2, who is working for the High Evolutionary because he also created her. It's that whole society is one of his many attempts to create perfect life. Um, they send Adam Warlock to go capture Rocket, and in the process, because this version of Adam Warlock is kind of a himbo, um, <laughs> he's just like a big dumb idiot who is, you know, trying his best to do what he's told to do, um, critically injures Rocket and, and a few of the other Guardians, although they have these, like, space med pack things that you can just strap on and recover, but it doesn't work on Rocket because Rocket's technology has, like, a failsafe that's going to kill him if they try to fix him. So they've got him on life support while they're looking for the way to bypass the failsafe so they can just heal him. And so for like half the movie, Rocket's uh, like comatose, but um, he's having like flashbacks to his time with the High Evolution, you know, from when the High Evolutionary took him from being a little raccoon to you know, through horrible surgeries, transformed him into Rocket. Um, and then he became friends with an otter and a walrus and a rabbit who also have, you know, robot parts. And, um, and yeah, you know, just like that whole progression of, you know, like him becoming more intelligent, uh, discovering a flaw because like he was he was part of one batch but then like the next batch uh they came up with like a mutate like mutation gas thing like a chamber you can just like stick an animal in and it'll evolve in like they stick a turtle in and it turns into a ninja turtle um but they're all like violent because of an error in the thing that rocket discovers and and that's what makes high evolutionary start taking notice of him of like oh he spotted the flaw but also that means he's smarter than me and he's my creation and that's not acceptable um so like it, it does fix the process but then he has rocket's friends exterminated and wants to just take rocket and like take his brain out and analyze it but you know after rocket's friends get killed he like rips high evolutionary's face up um and and then escapes and he's you know been on the run ever since and it was so tragic that he's never talked about it and it, it's just a thing in his memory yeah that <clears throat> that that's a gut-wrenching scream that he gives when uh he, he sees all the animal friends dead. Yeah. Like, that one That one fucking hurt. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's... A, have you played... I, I never finished the Guardians Square Enix game. Um, but I did play... There was a Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale series. I don't know if you played that or not. No. Okay. Because that one also was... does Rocket's backstory, and so I knew from that that, like, Lila the Otter is his best friend who dies during their escape. So, like, I went in knowing, like, yeah, this this isn't gonna end well. Yep, by the time the Guardians game came out, I was kind of done with the whole Telltale formula. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm a little disappointed that, so, um, Scarlet on the, the server had posted a while ago 
from the comic book version of Rocket's backstory that Tiefs the Walrus in the comics has laser tusks. And uh, he doesn't hmm. in this movie. He's he's just a walrus with some robo parts. So it's a little disappointing that he doesn't uh, shoot lasers from his robo tusks. But um, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe in a maybe in a what if where they all mm. break out and have fun space adventures. Uh. Yeah, that would be a good. Yeah, what if Rocket's friends had lived and they all escaped together and he never yeah. joined the Guardians and. He was part of an animal guardians instead. I I, I want that to happen now. I want, hmm. <laughs> I, want I want to see floor. Just yeah, with I, like I, I could see six happen. guns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robot spider leg rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be like Monty Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually kind of... Well, no, it, it doesn't have guns, but... Um, Off-topic, but we'll, we'll get back on topic because we're trying to contain all this in the spoiler space. Uh, but I watched Doom Patrol Season 3 and the first half of Season 4 because the second half isn't out yet. And there is a character in that named Bunbury who is... just It's just a rabbit, but it has like subtitles when it talks and it's the leader of this like Illuminati wizard cult that's you know trying to prevent um, you know various major tragic events including in this season the return of the butts which are the, there are like butts with legs Hello. that you know the, like the <laughs> when they spread their cheeks there's just like this razor <laughs> sarlacc mouth inside of it. um and they, they they were like oh, you know one off thing that happened in season one, but they're back in season three, and then oh one of them ends God. up getting infected with a zombie virus, which eventually leads to a zombie butt apocalypse that they're trying to avoid in season four. Um, and and Bunbury ends up taking um, uh, Jane's power her well her longevity like that's the whole thing in season four they've got all the characters are long-lived for various reasons and their longevity is being like extracted from them by this group of people working for a villain named demortis and bunbury ends up stealing her powers and whatever but yeah there there is a you know monty python killer rabbit except it's like a super wizard um in uh, in Doom Patrol, I I need to watch that show now. Uh, I really do. Yeah, I when mean the first the two seasons are like all the seasons are good. The first two seasons are really heavy in a way that I I, I enjoyed it, but I, it was hard to get through it because it's so much of it is dealing with these characters' emotional trauma. Um, Season three and four, I'd say, aren't as heavy. They're they're still quirky and weird, and you know, interesting to see where it's going. But it doesn't feel like there's that weight. I think because a lot of that trauma has been addressed in the first two seasons, they've had time to work through a lot of it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Guardians, um, yeah. Um, not Let's I'm I, I don't really know what to say. Like it, it, it's fun. Uh, you know, there's yeah, it 
it, it kind of goes back and forth between being uh, like a really fun, you know, the really fun Guardians of the Galaxy space adventure mm. um, and flashing with Rocket's backstory of like horrible tragedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, because while they're looking for the you know, the code to shut off the failsafe so they can heal him, they have to go to a planet. Well, it, it, it's like a... It's a biological space station. Yeah, it's like a giant, like, cell from, like, a body, kind of, you know, just, it's like a massive skin and stuff. Yeah, it's it's all biological. There's a lot of, you know, interesting visual touches. You know, like all the buttons are just these squishy, you know, blob things. Imagine the smell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Nathan Fillion is there unmasked as one of the guards in like a pillow suit thing that they're all wearing. Yeah, um, it's like biological body armor, but it, it's it's just like a sumo like a sumo suit basically. Yeah. Like a like a big one of those big foam sumo suits that people wear and then run into each other and fall on the ground. Yeah. Um except flesh colored yeah. Uh, well, except actually flesh, I guess. Um, Probably. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're just walking around in that, and it's just funny to look at. Um, yeah, it it it's you know your like lab heist sequence, except with a really interesting visual lab that they're you know heisting data from. Yeah. And uh, Nathan Fillion is the. Slightly disgruntled middle manager type security guard. Yeah, um, his his gimmick is funny. Mm. Um, it's like running gag of like, oh yeah, my coworker's an idiot. Everybody's yeah. got an idiot coworker. Yeah, he's like, like this guy. I love this guy. I I want to work with him forever. Uh, that guy, no good. Just <laughs> I hate working with him. Yeah, he's saying it right uh, to the guy's face, and the guy doesn't. Yeah. And he's like just confused. Uh, it, it's it's a good gag that they only do twice, and it works twice, and it probably wouldn't work a third time. Yeah. Um, so. Oh yeah, and uh, Gamora's there, even though she's not. Yeah, this timeline's version of Gamora. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice how they don't do the cliche thing with Gamora. Because Gamora, they were kind of written into a corner. I, I don't know how much say James Gunn had in the decision to kill Gamora in Infinity War and then bring her back in uh, Endgame through a different timeline version who has no memories of any of the last movies because she's from a timeline where only the start of the first movie had happened. Yeah, um, that's weird. So, yeah, there's this different timeline version of Gamora who's more the battle-hardened um, version. She's joined the Ravagers and ends up tagging along with them, and Peter Quill is still pining for her, even though she has no memory of him and no idea why she would love this idiot. And they don't do the cliche thing of uh, them getting back together 
you know, he, she sees, a, you know, some amount of worth in him, but not enough that it's like they're going to hook up again. If anything, it seems like uh, she's trying to push Nebula to, you know, like, the, I guess, like, Nebula to Peter is similar to what Gamora was to Peter, but uh, <laughs> he, she's not interested and he's not interested. And that, by the end of the movie, is, he's decided to go back to Earth, so that's probably not going anywhere. That I, that was a that was a funny scene though, where he she Gamora says that, and they they look at each other for a second, yeah. and uh, Peter's like, "I never realized how black your eyes were," and she's like, "Yes, My they were replaced with <laughs> yeah, right, right, they were replaced with robot parts." As a form of torture. Yeah. <laughs> well, your father picked, like... a, picked a pretty set of eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick thing. To yeah. <laughs> See, like, people don't hate Chris Pratt. Like, they hate the roles that Chris Pr- Pratt is given. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Pratt is a good comedic actor. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... He's not... I don't... He's, One he's of, not a straight action star. Like he's he's not, you know, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah, I mean one one of the you know I've listened to like a few podcasts and their you know takes on this movie, and one of them pointed out that yeah, Chris Pratt. It seems like James Gunn is the only person who really knows how to direct him well. Um, yeah, and I think you know like when he does some comedy, you know, like uh, like the Lego Movie, he's decent playing this you know, just simple, naive, happy guy. Uh, but, you know, yeah. when they put him in, like, the Jurassic World movies and they're trying to play him as just, like, a straight action star, that it doesn't play to his strengths. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he started out as a comedic actor. That's that's what he is. Like, yeah. you, can, you can have him do dramatic scenes and action scenes, but, like, that can't be the only thing. <laughs> He yeah. does because he's not good at, enough at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I still haven't seen the Mario movie, so. Um, yeah, I mean it's you know a very straightforward movie, and there's yeah. nothing really surprising about it. Which is fine. That's you know about what I expected from a Mario. You know, I I talked. I, couple episodes ago about how much i enjoyed it but yeah it's it, it's not because it's breaking any new ground yeah, and I, I guess I his performance it, in that one he's not trying to be like a serious action dude it, it is you know a little more toward the lego movie end of like you know he, he's not that naive as mario but it is just you know nice guy trying to be heroic yeah Like he can't really do grizzled is the thing that you know like they that they try to do in like the Jurassic movies and yeah. whatever that like Amazon sci-fi time tomorrow war or something like he he's not made for that kind of a, a project. Yeah, like in in Jurassic World, they make him like kind of a like a stoic uh, like park ranger type, and it's like wh- what? <laughs> no, yeah, he's. He's fucking talking to velociraptors with his bare hands, just like, yeah. 
I, I don't know. That's it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, Star Lord is his best live action film role, I guess. Mm. Um, y- yeah, and yeah, like at the end of this movie, he decides to go back. Like, there's like a throwaway line earlier in the movie where Mantis is like, "Oh, don't you still have a living grandfather on uh, Earth?" and and at the end of the movie, he decides, I guess it's, you know, because everybody lives, nobody dies, but a bunch of them are like, this is still enough adventure. Like a, a couple of them, I think Nebula and Mantis and Drax all decide that they're just going to stay on nowhere and look after the city there. Um, and Peter is like, oh, I still, I do still have this living relative, so I'll just go back to Earth. And he does, and there's a post-credit scene that's just him eating cereal. There, it, it's like such a non-scene. But then they have, um, you know, a, a title afterward that says "The Legendary Star Lord Will Return," which <laughs> when I, I don't know, whatever. I guess who cares? I guess in the next Avengers, <laughs> probably. Yeah, you know, it, it's like at the end of. I mean, even like. Thor Love and Thunder, at least when they say Thor will return, there's kind of a reason. He's got this new adopted daughter, played by his actual daughter, so you know, there, there's yeah. something being set up there, but with Star-Lord it, it does feel like, no, he's he's just actually retired from uh, this whole thing and isn't needed because now there's a new iteration of the team led by Rocket with Groot who, I guess... I mean, I don't know much about Groot in the comics. I know there's a, a version called King Groot, which seems like what this one is growing into, because he's got that kind of a sh- head shape as King Groot. Um, but yeah, I, I Rocket think and Groot and Cosmo and Adam Warlock are all, you know, this new team. And what's-his-face, um, whose name I can never fucking remember, even though I watched all three movies... Very oh, um, I, yeah, Craglin. Yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, <coughs> James Gunn's brother plays the thing. Um, Sean Gunn. Yeah, yeah. He's he's also on the team. He's you know been set up to be Yondu's successor since two. So yeah. He he learned. I mean, it, it's basically just the the scene from the second movie where yeah. he sees a vision of Yondu like telling him how to use the arrow. Yeah, it's like fly it with your heart, not your head. And then he's like, okay, and then yep. he can do it. Yep. So yeah, I'll I'll learn how to do that again for this action scene where it's you know feel bad for the people in nowhere because it's like. They're just trying to live in this like little space yeah. city, and they keep getting attacked by stuff. But the movie starts off, and Adam Warlock comes in to just a, you know kidnap one guy, and like knocks over so many buildings in the process. And before they've had time to fix it up from that, they're getting attacked by the swarms of robots coming from High Evolutionary's spaceship. Yeah, it's it's weird. So like, do the Guardians just completely take over nowhere? Because like it. I think they. It was in the holiday special. They mentioned. I think they bought it from the collector. So they're like the oh. sheriffs in town slash 
owners of the planetoid. That mm, okay. Yeah. Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> so I guess it I mean, is like a lawless western town, kind of, so they're maybe somewhat used to being attacked, but it still seems like it would suck to live there, because you're just getting, you know, smashed by stuff all the time. Every every scene that takes place on Nowhere is weird. Like, it's weirdly lit. Like it's I'm pretty lit sure like it's all stage filmed. musical. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all filmed in the volume. The the thing they used for shooting the Mandalorian and all the Star Wars shows. Yeah. That you like know, it, the, they 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 got that whole set set up so that they could do it for Guardians 3 and also for the holiday special and they just keep reusing it. Like only the section where the people are actually standing is real and the rest of it is just projected. Yeah. I I just like it. It looks like a musical set, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like, yeah, like it's it's musical. pretty flat. Yeah, yeah. It's like here's here's the big circle in the middle of town where everything happens. Yeah, <laughs> and then here's people standing off to the side and looking at it. Yeah, that's you know one of the drawbacks of using like the volume is better than green screen. But it's still not as realistic as actually building a full set. Yeah. Um, where were we in the story? <laughs> uh, um, I mean, kind of skipping around character to character. Like, because yeah. we, there's the rocket flashbacks happening while they're heisting the data so they can help them recover. Yeah, and then we, yeah, and there's the Gamora thing. That it's a different Gamora, and Peter spends the entire movie getting over that this Gamora doesn't know or care about him, and he he just has to move on. Yeah, I I like that they end with mutual respect, um, where mm. like Peter's obviously gotten over uh, the loss of Gamora, and Gamora doesn't want to stab him anymore. Yeah, and that, like we even get a scene, you know, because Gamora talks about, you know, like I, I'm part of the Ravagers now. I care about them, and we actually get a scene, you know, while the Guardians are all having their big dance party and you know celebrating, the Gamora goes back to the Ravagers and actually, you know, they have like a big hug. Like, like she really does yeah. care about these people. It's, it's not, you know, just a ploy she's putting on. She's not coming back to the Guardians. She really has moved in with this yeah. other group she found a different family and that's why she's so prickly towards peter who, yeah yeah uh, he's trying to take her away from that because he remembers a different version of her yeah um let's see who or what next oh <laughs> uh, i mean because you know the, there's like drax and mantis are like comedy side characters for most of it like they try to yeah. do a little drama with them of like mantis thinks drax is stupid and drax kind of is but he he has like a emotional, emotional wisdom to him. yeah yeah, yeah the, and especially because like they when they're aboard the high evolutionaries ship they have to rescue a bunch of children who've been captured on there and drax can communicate with them because he did have a daughter who he cared about, and that's, you know, been, like, a part of his backstory that we've really never gotten to see 
anything done with because he's not around kids during any yeah. of these adventures. I I do like how in this one they kind of imply that he saw Mantis as a daughter. Mm. Um, where like at, at the end when she's going her own way, uh, he kind of tears up. Um, because like since the second movie and the holiday special, like they they do spend their time together. I guess mostly just because they're like kind of dumb. Uh, comic relief characters, but mm. um, they do seem close. So at least that—that that was what I got out of it. That he—he he kind of started seeing her as a daughter, mm. um, and then she leaves with her her giant um, Cthuloid <laughs> um, pets. Yeah, the things that they fought at the start of the second movie—they. Yeah, rescued a couple of them in uh, the uh, high evolutionary ship. Why did he have those? <laughs> uh, I mean, he he has so many experiments going on. Who knows what those were intended for? They do have a thick hide that can only be penetrated from the inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cause yeah, cause yeah, like his stated goal is to create a perfect form of life, and the way it demonstrates as you, know, you see his different experiments is like he's calculating like the speed at which these you know creatures that he's like raised and modified like how fast can they solve these math problems and create you know warp engines and whatever. Um, like, that's one of the gauges for, you know, like, are they perfect yet? You know, how, how fast can they be? How smart can they be? Um, and, uh, like, we see this counter-Earth that he's created after, uh, they've, you know, healed Rocket, I think. I think it was, I don't know. It's like, after, like, they, they heist some of the data, but some of it was stolen by one of High Evolutionary's guys, and they have to go to counter-Earth to go find that guy and rip the thing out of his brain to get the rest of the data so they can fix Rocket. So they go to this counter That dude dies in (laughs) the most unfortunate way. Mm. Uh, He gets gets thrown out of a uh, out of a spaceship that's taking off like a thousand feet in the air. Mm. Then then Peter and Groot glide down and use him as like a landing pad. It, yeah, it's, just video game physics. Yeah. It's such a If you land on another guy. body, that body will be crushed and you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, he, he thanks Peter for not uh, instantly killing him and he's like, no, that would be premature. And then he... Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he frictions him to death. It, yeah. It's... it's it's brutal. Yeah, but so th- this counter Earth they've set up. It, you know, the the latest step in High Evolutionary's experiments. He's like taken animals, made them more human shaped, gotten them dressed up in like nineteen fifties, you know, very neat and tidy clothing. In this, you know, like suburban, every house is the same, every lawn is the same, kind of. You know, his version of perfection, this, you know, absolute, you know, um, 
I don't know, words, words. Um, his, his perfect society is yeah. suburban You're like, America, apparently. Yeah, yeah, like that kind of cliche. Um, and, yeah, so it's like they land there and they have to, you know, talk to them a little bit and they're confused and they end up, like, seeing, like, a couple of them are, like, smoking meth in a back alley or something and, uh, and when they mention that to high evolutionary, he's like, oh, yeah, I guess they're too flawed to live. I'm going to firebomb the entire, like, everything that I made. Um, and that is, uh, you know, it's not as personally brutal as, like, some of the experimentation scenes, because you, you don't see up close these people dying, but holy shit. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. As Marvel movies go, that is, like, a lot of innocent people just being blown up in a way that doesn't... Like, it it is tragic, but none of the characters really knew any of these people, so it doesn't land as heavily as uh, it probably should. It... It's... It's not technically darker than the snap, but it feels like it because it's... It's more like visceral and brutal like it's just the ground blowing up beneath people's feet out yeah. of nowhere <laughs> yeah is. yeah it's just bombs falling down from this spaceship that's taking off and this you know perfect suburban town just being blown to shit and it's yeah it's pretty brutal yeah and it like it, it's there's no maybe involved like the the ground is a molten hellscape by the time the ship gets like leaves the atmosphere yeah like it, it, it's <laughs> yeah the millions of animal people millions of furries yeah just died yeah yeah um, yeah all because they weren't quite perfect enough so have to blow them all up and start again and i don't know what kind of accelerated aging they're working with like how long did it take to set all this up, and how long is it going to take to do all that again? Like, yeah, it's it's kind of unknown, like how old Rocket is, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. He doesn't seem like it can't have been more than like ten or twenty years since he escaped, like yeah. maximum. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's not important, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but still, like, like damn, harsh. Yeah. Um, but wait, I, b- before we move on, I want to talk about the first fuck in the MCU. Mm. Yep, it was just ad-libbed in a scene and they left it in. <laughs> it... It's, it's such, like, an out-of-nowhere comedy scene. Like, it, it makes... It makes no... Like it's it doesn't have any impact. It's not even like the X Men one. Yeah, I I probably it, wouldn't a, have noticed it if there weren't a million articles talking about the first time somebody said "fuck" in an MCU movie. <laughs> I definitely noticed it because I was like, "That's awesome." <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if I was around, I don't know, in a theater where I could hear someone gasp, like, oh, I can't believe they would say "fuck" in this kids movie pg-13 movie <laughs> yeah i mean you know as mcu movies go guardians of the galaxy 3 definitely is not a good one to take your kids to um no. and not because somebody says fuck mostly because of animal torture and 
that one really cool hallway scene that is also, you know, very, very violent. The best action scene since Civil War. Yeah. The best MCU action scene since Civil War, I should say. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not like the personal stakes of Civil War. It's more of just just everybody gets a chance it, to be cool in this hallway as they're all, you know, just fighting this wave of soldiers. The, the, the best, the best um, compliment I can give it is that it it reminds me of a Monte Ohm fight. Mm. Um, like, not not framed in the same way, but just like the the frantic creativity of it. Yeah. Um, it's it's really cool. Yeah, I mean that that's basically it, right? Like they Yeah. They they all survive the exploding planet and they get to um, the high evolutionary ship. Yeah. And they they're all like, Okay, we're here, we're all together, now we have to save all the children. Yeah, um, well yeah, and there's, you know, a bit of a complication where like Peter and um, Groot, you know, they, they jump out of the ship with the guy and crash into the planet and then escape. Meanwhile, Drax and Nebula and Mantis board the ship in order to save them, and now they're the ones who are trapped. So now... But then, you know, they got, they got the data, they fix Rocket, and stage a rescue mission of Nebula and Mantis and Drax, who are now trapped on the ship. Um, and... So Rocket can finally get his closure with High Evolutionary. Um, and yeah, then they, you know, they, they, they defeat High Evolutionary. Rocket chooses not to kill him, but it's kind of a Batman Begins moment of like, I'm not going to kill you, but your ship is exploding and I'm just going to leave you here. So he's probably yeah. dead. Uh, I mean, he got stabbed in the chest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like, but like they have that whole moment of like him standing over the body, so like, you should finish him off. I'm like, I'm not going to. Like, I'm a guardian of the galaxy. Yeah. I'm a good like, person. I'm not going to kill you. I'll just let you die. <laughs> I'm just going to let you bleed out and then explode in space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and he did already tear his face off, and that was another moment yeah. why kids should not be in this movie because we get to see. Uh, the, this stretchy face face that he's had all movie is a, like a rubber mask that's just been stretched over his like fully two-faced face. I didn't know Red Skull was in this movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hugo Weaving, what are you doing here? I mean, like, it reminds, um, it's like Two-Face from the Dark Knight with how just, yeah. you know, you can see like the inside of the jaw and inside the nose bone and like lidless eyeball yeah. um, except on both sides of the face it's grotesque and yeah. he talks wh while um, his face is revealed yeah and they they pull his skin flap off yeah that that is covering his face and there's like a stream of blood <laughs> that's that's attached to it yeah uh, it's it's uh it's gross <laughs> yeah um it's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, by that point in the movie, you hate the guy enough that it's like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. Your face deserves to look like that. Like, this guy could have been, like, eaten by all the baby raccoons, and uh, <laughs> it, mm. nobody would feel sorry for him. Yeah. Uh, 
Also, Rocket um, sees the cage of baby raccoons, and he sees that they they are indeed raccoons, and he is a raccoon. So yep. he he's he been finally a accepts. The whole time. Yeah, but yeah, he finally accepts that he's a raccoon. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't was was it the, I, I know somewhere late in the movie he finally, you know, calls himself Rocket Raccoon and not just Rocket. Yeah. It it's it's right before he lands uh like the the fin- the first blow of the finishing chain um on the high evolutionary. Yeah. Cuz like he he opens the cage and all the raccoons like latch onto him. And then the high evolutionary comes in, and they all they all like shake off and leave. Uh, yeah. And then they they have a small fight where he's using his gravity powers to keep Rocket on the ceiling, and then Rocket engages his gravity boots, which is a Chekhov's gun I did not see coming, mm. <laughs> um, w- which I probably should have, but uh, because they use them like two or three times in the movie. Mm. Um. Yeah, and then he says, "Blah blah blah." I am Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, uh, and then he snaps yeah, his he, fingers, and half of the High Evolutionary yeah. vanishes out of existence. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's uh, the High Evolutionary calls him by his like, uh, yeah, like project name, yeah, like P one seven nine whatever. Yeah, P. P thirteen A eighty nine something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, which is probably a reference to a specific comic book or something. That's usually yeah. how they do those numbers. Or like, and if you look it up, it's actually like one three nineteen eighty five, which is like January third nineteen eighty five was a specific issue or something. Was Guardians popular in nineteen eighty nine? Maybe, I I I'm not sure when they started. I know, I like, no the, the Peter Quill team wasn't the original team. You know, the Sylvester Stallone and, like, his group is actually, like, a, a movie version of the original team from the comics. Oh, yeah. With, with the, the snake guy and uh, Yeah. Everything. Like, Yondu was part of the original team, and he, there was a different group, but the more recent and, you know, more interesting really uh group is the star lord group yeah uh i guess it's i I guess it's kind of like captain marvel right where um there's a whole thing before Mm. um carol danvers but yeah she's the only one that people care about now yeah like carol was like a side character in um the Captain Marvel, because it was, you know, this guy named Marvel who was an alien who came to Earth and became a superhero, and, and she was there, and then she ended up getting powers and became Ms. Marvel for a long time until they decided to make her Captain Marvel. Yeah. Because I, I remember hearing, like, Ms. Marvel was a, a big, like, feminist thing at the time because Ms. It was, like, ambiguous between Miss and Mrs. Yeah. So, like, it, it actually was a statement. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, this isn't a statement anymore. Let's just call it Captain Marvel. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then they, you know, let her wear pants instead of thigh-high boots. Instead of the leotard? Yeah. The onesie bathing suit that she was wearing. Yeah. She's no Psylocke. Yeah. Uh, but what are we talking about? Uh, so yeah, so they beat up High Evolutionary and then leave him for dead and then rescue all the children and also all the animals. And I cannot imagine in an exploding spaceship how you would herd that many animals down a hallway. You know, like it, like all the baby raccoons that, just scattered when they let them out. So are they still aboard the ship or... You know, are they going to know which exit to run to when the thing's exploding? I don't my, know. I think there's a lot of dead animals that, that we don't know about. My headcanon is that it was Mantis. Mm. It could be, yeah. She she did her mind thing as they were opening all the cages. That's that's mm. the, what they. That's what happened. Yeah. That's how it works. Um, yeah, and we haven't talked about Cosmo at all. I... The, the joke might have gone on a little too long, but I like Cosmo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Cosmo is a Russian dog astronaut in, like, an, as you know, cosmonaut. cosmonaut. Yeah, cosmonaut yeah. in a cosmonaut suit with, you know, the space helmet and everything. Uh, she briefly appeared um, at the end of Guardians 1 to lick the collector's face, but, um, yeah, she she's like a telekinetic psychic dog. Um, and Craglin calls her a bad dog early on, and it becomes a sticking point that she just keeps begging to be, you know, called a good dog and not a bad dog. Yeah. Um, it's a cute joke, but yeah, they do drag it out for the entire movie. Yeah, like, they, they do the joke, like, three or four times when, like, I, I, again, the, the same with Nathan Fillion's character, like, twice is probably the right amount. Yeah. Yeah, with Nathan Fillion, it felt like they were just so happy to get him in for a cameo that they, you know, yeah. kept adding scenes. Yeah. Because, like, they, they even had him do, like, weird face acting in the slow-mo, um, yeah. like, explosion scene. Or, or yeah, when, when all their suits are malfunctioning and they're just bouncing around. Mm. Um like yeah they just wanted his face on screen as much as possible i think yeah um and yeah i mean i i, th- I think with uh craglin and cosmo it's just they want <laughs> they need to remind the audience that these people exist yeah they're when, when the giant celestial head comes out of nowhere it's, it's not just completely out of nowhere yeah, yeah, it's just like a, a comedy side gag on top of everything else that's going on. Yeah, it, it's like a sitcom episode B plot, basically. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and and they, they both become part Howard of the new cameo. iteration of the team. Yeah, Howard Howard is there for a poker game, you know, space poker, and uh, I I always forget that it's Seth Green until he opens his mouth. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I like that 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 information just leaves my head until I see him speak, and then it it, it just exits like three days after I watch the movie. Because mm. like I've, I've watched Guardians two like 
I don't know, 10 times in the past three years. Um, and I never remember. Yeah, I, I, I mean, forgot he, that he was in two. Like, I remember he shows up yeah, in the post-credits of one, but... He is in two? I can't remember exactly where. It, it pro- is it that early scene where Yondu was, like, post-sex? It, it probably is. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where else they would fit him in. I know it's not at the end. Hmm. Because that, that scene is too beautiful to have a talking space duck. Yeah. That is Seth Green. That is f- fucking Chris Griffin. Yeah, no, I, I assume it must. It's probably that scene at the start, because the whole thing about that is just this, like, really down and grungy place that Yondu's found himself in. Yeah. He's, he's banging a robot hooker. Yeah. <laughs> and it's meant to be really sad. Mm. And Rocky's there, and he's disappointed in him. Yeah. <laughs> And then a, a golden space queen comes and hires him for a job. Guardians of the Galaxy is a weird, mm. is a weird thing, isn't it? When you say it out loud like that. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know. Maybe it's just a James Gunn thing because the Suicide Squad was the same. Of like, so the, this polka dot man, he shoots polka dots that explode, and and Starro the Conqueror, a giant star with one eye from space is and there's, a, there's this girl that can control rats yeah 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 they defeat the giant kaiju space star and its army of zombies that is created by shooting little stars onto their faces with a wave of rats that like dive into its eye and scratch out its cornea and there's this guy that can shoot good, and then there's this other guy that can shoot good, and they're, they're really upset at each other because they each want to be the one guy that can shoot good. And they have a shoot-off where one of them shoots a smaller bullet through the other guy's bullet in order to shoot him. Yeah. And one of them is invisible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is Stacker fucking Pentecost. Mm. I love Pacific Rim, the first one, not the second one. The second one sucks. Mm. Um, anyway, watch Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's very good. Yep. Yep, and um, we can call end of spoilers at about an hour into this podcast. I mean, we'll see with editing, but it looks like it's going to be about an hour. Okay, so we're not at an hour yet, so let's just spoil everything. Well, we're um, not in an hour yet, but also there's going to be the opening theme song. Yeah, um, how long is that, roughly? Uh, I don't know, I mean, just spoil what you want to spoil, I'll put the timestamp after. Um, uh, see, now I'm on the spot and I'm kind of nervous and I can't think of any spoilers. Okay. Yeah, Um, well, I mean, we already said it probably can't be spoiled anyway. Lila dies. Mm. Yep. Um, they play the Beastie Boys song in the hallway fight. Hmm. Actually, that's the thing we didn't really talk about. The, um, the soundtrack to this one is good. It's a lot more 90s. (laughs) Yeah, it's not, like, the first two movies, I went out and got the soundtracks after, because I wanted to listen to them over and over. And this new one is a little more scattered. Like, the songs are fine, but none of them 
you know, maybe like a couple of them were, you know, ones I I, would seek out, but most of them were just there. They they use them as scene transitions more than like it emphasis points more than they do in the first two movies. Yeah, it, it's not um, as much of a thing in in this yeah, movie as like, it was to the first two. Like there's there's creep which really works at the beginning with Rocket. Um, there's no sleep till Brooklyn that works. Uh, during the lead up and the hallway fight um and i I don't even know which other ones um like there's nothing as good as uh break the chains from fleetwood mac and and volume two yeah like that that was just (laughs) perfect like uh just sound wise and like thematically yeah i mean uh, like even mr blue sky was catchier than whatever the dance number song is in three yeah i that was a song i've never heard and that was a 2000 song apparently mm. which i would i was around for the 2000s all 10 of them yeah i mean i've, I've never really kept up with music very well so i'm me neither I'm not surprised i don't know most of the songs if they were playing songs I knew, they would be boring radio hits that I was also sick of when they were playing on the radio. Well, like, I knew a lot of the music. It's just, like, not by name. Hmm. Um, like, that song when they're, like, dropping down on the space station. Like, I, I know that song, but I can never name uh, the name of the song or by who. Hmm. Um... Yeah. Okay. Well, should we put a cap on Guardians Three and um, figure out what to talk about next? Um, I just want to say one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ends like a DreamWorks movie with a giant dance sequence. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and that—that's nice, I guess. It's weird that Drax dances, even though, like. The, the one thing he says in like all three movies I think is that he hates dancing mm. but whatever I'll take it it's yeah. fine yeah. he's a dad yeah <laughs> um, and I really like that Nebula got an ending mm. because she like in she kind of just seems like she's just there <laughs> um, sometimes but I'm glad she got an ending where she's not killing people all the time. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, now I'm done. It's really good. It's the best MCU movie since Infinity War for me. Mm. Um, I'm, I mean, the only one that I, I really liked a lot is Spider-Man and kind of Shang Chi, so yeah, that's not a not a super high bar, but yeah, and I um, guess you can say it's your favorite Phase Five movie because you haven't seen Quantumania, and that's the only other one there is. Yeah, I guess so. I 
I mean, in the way things have been going, I can't see any <laughs> any movie beating it out. Mm. Um, just because I, yeah, I don't think I mean, any of them have been all that good. Yeah, from the trailers for the Marvels, it looks like fine, I guess. I don't know. I'm not invested enough in any of those characters to be excited about it. I want Monica Rambeau to work, but mm. <laughs> it's probably not gonna. Yeah, I mean, like of the three, she's the only one who hasn't had her own show, so she's probably not going to be the focus of it. Yeah. And it, it seems like they're doing a weird... A very weird thing where they can't use their powers without teleporting with each other for some reason. Yeah. It, it's... I don't know. It it seems like it's gonna be a it's I don't, freaky Friday it, it's like in a, space. <laughs> I, I guess it's except without the body swap. You know, the the entire body swaps, so you don't even get the fun of an actor pretending to be a different character inhabiting their yeah. body. Like imagine, imagine uh, Carol Danvers and. Um, um, uh, yeah, like if Brie Larson had to pretend to be Kamala Khan living in yes, yes, Carol exactly. Danvers' body, like that, you know, <laughs> it would be more fun and interesting than just the Kamala Khan actress is now standing where uh, Brie Larson was standing. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Like that, yeah. that would actually, <laughs> that yeah, like, like let the actors show their range by having them play other ca- existing characters. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got that yeah. trailer in front of this movie. Um and it it doesn't look good, but maybe it will be. Like I'm Yeah. Not... It's MCU, so it will probably be at least fine. Yeah. It'll be another movie that comes out at some point. Yeah, probably. Um, in November, I want to say. So it's it's a ways away. Oh boy, can't can't wait for that one. Yep. Can't wait to hear about everybody saying um, that the MCU is dead again. Because mm. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the thing about Guardians. It's like nobody's even excited about it as an MCU movie because it's so separated from everything. Yeah, and that's like, another weird thing. with the, like As much as this is a good movie, I think because of Infinity War and Endgame and what they did with the Guardians characters, it doesn't feel... And, the, and the, it's kind of a thing with like all the character arcs in the MCU. It doesn't feel like a complete story. It's like... It is wrapping up these characters' arcs, but it's like wrapping them up after they'd already kind of ended. Yeah. Just, you know, like, epilogue toward a better ending than the ending they had. Because, like, Iron Man had the same issue of, like, Iron Man 3 feels kind of tacked on after Avengers, you know, shook up that character and his whole situation. And then they kept going, and they did Civil War and Infinity War and stuff, but... Isn't it weird that the whole Guardians trilogy came out after the whole Iron Man trilogy? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, isn't that a weird thing to think about? Yeah, I mean, I guess it has been going for fuck, is it like fifteen years now? 
Yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. The MCU's been around for fifteen years now. Yeah. The MCU can almost legally fuck. Mm. That's a weird. <laughs> See, I'm glad. I'm glad I said that about um, a movie series and not like. An actual person or character, because that would be very weird. Mm. Well, I mean, people who were born in the same year that the Nintendo DS came out can drink and fuck. <laughs> I'm not going to think about that one. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you're hurting me. Yeah, uh, do you feel old yet? <laughs> I mean, I really don't. Um, not until I get sick, and then I feel like I'm gonna die, and then I feel old. Mm. My Every sense day of we're time is completely warped anyway. Yeah. Like, ever since 2020, whatever happened in that year, like, time and space is all just I mean, done. my sense of time was fucked up even before that. It's like, some things feel like they're a long time away, and other things feel like they just happened, and I, I can't really tell the difference. Yeah, try try working over fifty hours for five months in a row. It it, it mm. <laughs> it'll really mess with your sense of time and um, self worth. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so anyway, we're actually putting a capper on the Guardians three talk now. Yeah. Um, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It just came out yesterday. Um, so I've played a little bit. And everybody's playing it, and everybody's talking about it, so I don't know that there's really a whole lot to say, but I'll say it anyway, because whatever, people listen to podcasts to hear other people's opinions on things that they're also doing and watching and playing so that they can, you know, compare and contrast their opinions, I guess. I don't know. I know okay, I do that. I have a question. Yep. If Breath of the Wild is so good, why didn't they make a Breath of the Wild too? Uh, they did, and they called it Tears of the Kingdom. Well, that's 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 a different, that's a different. Well, I mean, that's you know, Majora's Mask is Ocarina of Time too, kind of. If it's the same assets, but I, I'd say Tears of the Kingdom is close. Like Tears of the Kingdom is, it's just it's the bre- it, it's the same kind of game as Breath of the Wild. Once you get off the starter island, which now is in the sky instead of you know just atop a giant, you know mountain area is there a skyward sword uh, not yet uh it's just the same old breakable swords so you you never really you know get used to having one sword you just you have okay, one more... junk that you find you hmm. more important question is there a menish cap nope not so far okay is 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 there a lynx crossbow training <laughs> or whatever that game is called I haven't found a crossbow yet. I've found targets you can shoot at. <laughs> no, the, and there's no Four Swords Adventures. There's no Link Between Worlds. Um, I guess Link does awaken, so there is a Link's Awakening. <laughs> you preempted my joke. Yeah. 
Uh, way to go. Yep. Yep. There, uh, okay, we'll go through it. Let's see. Is there a Legend of Zelda? Yes, I guess, kind of. Is there a Link's Adventure? Yes, absolutely. Is there a Link to the Past? Kind of. Um, yes. Is there a Link's Awakening? Yes. Is there an Oracle of Seasons? No. Is there an Oracle of Ages? No. Is there an Ocarina of Time? Not that I've seen so far. Um, is there a, uh, Majora's Mask? Not yet, but, uh, I mean, maybe it seems like something an amiibo would let you unlock. Um, is there a Wind Waker? Not that I've seen. Is there a Twilight Princess? Uh, no, it doesn't seem like... Toilet. Is, is, is there a Toilet uh, Princess? Um, no, I don't think I've even seen a Toilet yet, although that would be fun if the Toilet Hand from Majora's Mask came back. Um, I haven't well, that, seen Skyward that's, Sword. That's the trick. Haven't seen a link. <laughs> That's between... the trick, Jade. The world is Link's toilet. Yeah, I haven't seen a link between worlds. I have not seen a phantom hourglass. Haven't seen any spirit. I get. I mean, there's tracks, but I haven't seen any spirit tracks. Um, haven't seen any four swords or four swords adventures, um, or a minish cap, or. Um, Let's see. Okay, a link between worlds. Is the, how, what? What? Which one? Because now, at this point, they started making so many remakes. My, I guess, Breath of the Wild was the next one after Link Between Worlds that wasn't a remake. Um, I mean, there is a wild, and there's people breathing in it. So I guess there's Breaths of the Wild. Um, I. I, I love that you've taken my dumbass joke. To I covered all of them, conclusion. so you won't have any left to ask about. <laughs> Except, like, Wand of Gamelon. No, I haven't seen a Wand of Gamelon. Or, um, whatever the other CDI games were. <laughs> no, it's just... You it spoiled me. Yeah, it, it's Breath of the Wild, except uh, you start off on an island in the sky, and you can also travel to other islands in the sky, but once you get through the tutorial on the island in the sky, which for me took like four hours, because, you know, I'm, I'm not that smart, and I have to, you know, figure out how to do things and get through things, and whatever. Uh, but, yeah, you, um, after that, you travel back down to the ground, and it, it is the same world as Breath of the Wild. It, it's a few years later. So some things have changed a little bit, but it's still more or less the same map as as before. Hey Jade, I have a question. Mm. Is there a cadence of Hyrule? Um, maybe. I I don't know how you would define a cadence as just a just like a concept, but I guess you could okay, argue one... there's a cadence of Hyrule. Okay. One Although more that's not question. a mainline game, that's a you know spin-off. I mean, we might as well include all the Tingle games. Like, no, there's no Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land, from what I've seen. <laughs> Although it's possible. Good. I don't think they would let that go on a Nintendo console. Oh, mm. <laughs> uh, okay, Jade. One more, and I promise this is the last one. Okay. Is there a Hyrule Warriors: colon, Age of Calamity? Um. I mean, I haven't seen yet if they're treating that game as canon or not. I imagine they wouldn't because it had some weird time travel shit where they retconned the entire, like, the deaths of the four champions. And now I haven't seen the four champions. I haven't seen that little robot egg guy. So I don't think Age of Calamity is uh, 
being factored in. The closest thing I've seen so far is the in that game, like that game happens in the the pat. Was it in the pat? No, I guess it was in. I don't even remember what timeline that happened in. But I remember Pura shows up, and in Breath of the Wild, she had scienced herself into child size or something. Um, and now in this game, it's a few years older, and she looks like she does in Age of Calamity, which is how she looked as, like, an older teen in Age of Calamity. Um, it, I don't know. That's the only thing I've seen so far connecting to that Hyrule Warriors game. Um, and no, there is no Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition happening in this either. So far. Maybe. I don't know. Debatable. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's more Breath of the Wild. It's, you know, what you would expect of, like, you collect up scraps and stuff and make food and you have weapons, but they don't stick around and they break. And, um, the main new thing it has is you have different powers like before you had you know like magnesis to let you like levitate metal objects and instead of that in this game you have ultra hand which is a very silly name for the power to levitate any objects not just metal objects it's like any loose objects that it will let you pick up you can pick them up and then you can basically glue them to other things so you can like glue a tree to another tree end to end and make like a long like bridge of trees and um, be able to like climb or walk across it. Or you can glue them side to side and make a raft and there's like electronic things you can find like propellers to let you create machines. So I mean the, the, it's a fun creative sandbox but it doesn't feel like a Zelda game so much as like a fun open world sandbox that just happens to have Zelda stuff. Which is kind of what Breath of the Wild was too. It's just more of that. Um, I hear you can make big dick creatures in it. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can get trees and uh, spheres and stuff. And yeah. Your, the limits are your imagination for how you want to staple all this stuff together. Yeah, to make it the biggest dick and balls you ever can imagine. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I already did that on my Animal Crossing island, so I don't need to do that here. Yeah. Yeah, on Animal Crossing, I got... There's... Um, it's like an anthill mound. You know, like one of those, like, tall anthill things. Um, I got one of those and two golden exercise balls and I set them all up on the beach and that's the beach is dick and balls um, also nearby is the thinker statue with a fossilized turd next to his butt <laughs> because he's just taking a shit on the beach <laughs> and it's on a corner of the beach that none of the neighbors live near it's just a place for me to go if I need to see a dick and balls and a guy taking a shit on the beach I mean, sometimes you just need to see a dick and balls. I mean, yeah. that's we're only human. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Yeah, so yeah, Tears of the Kingdom, it's, you know, it's more Breath of the Wild. It's fun for what it is, but I don't know how long it's going to take me to reach um, the end of the story, especially considering I have my own priorities. So while everybody else is playing it, and I assume probably following at least better than I am the, uh, the main storyline... Um, I, as soon as I got to the ground, set out to go find Gerudo, uh, town, um, off in the desert. I eventually, you know, it was kind of difficult, especially because, you know, my health is so low and I hadn't leveled anything up and I hadn't even found a shirt yet because I missed that part on the, the island at the start. I found the, the, the tunic skirt, but I didn't find the upper half, so... Yeah, I was just running shirtless through the desert, you know, avoiding fights and trying to find where Gerudo Town was. I mean, because I knew roughly it was like in the middle of the desert. Um, ended up finding the bazaar at the oasis that's like on the way to town. Um, and then also I had to, you know, just keep consuming food because the, I didn't have like the clothing or things necessary to deal with the desert heat so i was just draining my life and i have to keep gaining it back up but yeah no i found the oasis town and then found out oh the uh the main city is inside of a giant sandstorm now that has um you know like zombies wandering around out in the desert and when you walk out into the sandstorm it shuts off your map so you just have to kind of look around so eventually i found it um and then found like oh every everybody's gone it's all empty but it turns out actually they've all moved underground so um yeah so i found them and now i just found riju the gerudo queen who was a child in the last game and now she's a few years older um and uh yeah no i'm i'm, I'm exploring that part of the world because that's the stuff i care about even though the game is telling me like oh you need to go find zelda she's disappeared and um they think they found her over by the bird people village so you should go to the bird people village and i'll get there eventually but i'm, I'm gonna you know complete this corner of the world first especially because it's a big I... sandbox and who the fuck cares if I mean, even, like, at the start, it starts off Link and Zelda are going through these caves under Hyrule Castle. And every time, you know, it's like they're just, like, walking and Zelda's talking about stuff. And then whenever it lets me take over, I just ran right ahead. And it's like, I don't care about Zelda. Especially this Zelda. It's like, this Zelda is so boring. But she's got a nice butt. Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the other, you know... If the other ones didn't have such big poofy dresses, you'd probably see that they have nice butts, too. That's true. All Zeldas have nice butts. Yeah. It's canon. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's all I really have to say about it so far. I'll keep chipping away at it. Probably still be playing it by next time we, you know, episode in two weeks. I'm I'm waiting for the game grumps to play it after they finish Sonic Frontiers. Mm. Yeah, they'll go from one big open world game with uh, quiet, gentle music to a different one. Yeah, they'll play 
to play the sequel to the game that Sonic Frontiers is ripping off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and at least, you know, with the, you know, more creative powers you have in, uh, in Tears of the Kingdom, they can probably do some, like, really just fun and silly things in the Let's Play for it. I don't know I can't if it. Wait for them to draw six dicks. Yeah, I mean, did they finish Breath of the Wild, or did they just like play some of it? I'm pretty sure they finished it. Okay. Because the the whole e the whole e w e thing um, happened at the the final boss fight, I think. Okay. Yeah, because I don't know how long Tears is story-wise um but yeah i mean i guess since there's just a lot of open world roaming they probably could make a long series out of it i can't wait to see them play it for 180 episodes and get nowhere Mm. (laughs) yeah i mean with the creative tools there is potential to just you know screw around and do like silly Minecraft things instead of uh, progressing in the game. Yeah. Or they could just ignore all the mechanics and brute force their way through it like they usually do. Mm. That sounds like fun too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, what kind of approach. Because, I mean, with the story on this one, I just, I, I don't care enough to actually like pursue the story i just want to go to the parts of the world that i'm interested in the the part with the half naked people yeah yeah the sexy part of the world (laughs) (laughs) i will fully explore the sexy part of the world and then begrudgingly have to go deal with the rito and the gorons and the zoras what you're not into fish pussy um, I mean, Rudo's okay, but not generally. Uh, I don't know any more about Zelda, so... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done here. Yeah, so, okay, so there was Zelda, let's see, on my topics list. I talked about Doom Patrol during the Guardians uh, conversation, so if you skipped that one, uh, I mean, yeah, whatever you can... Listen to it eventually. Um, Spoiler alert, Yondu dies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Only other... I mean, like, I've watched, you know, a few other, like, old shows. Uh, Only other new show that I've actually watched the entire season of is Rick and Morty Season 3, and it was fine, I guess. I don't know. Like, none of the episodes really stood out in the way some of, like, the older ones did. Uh, kind of feels like the show probably, like, I get why it's still going, because it's massively popular and it makes money, but, um, it feels like they ran out of ideas around, like, season three, and they, they just are forced to keep going. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched in a very long time. Like, I think I watched, like, the first two seasons, and then I watched some of season three as it was airing, and I was like... You know what? I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... And then I, I haven't watched since then. I think the thing I miss the most 
because season six didn't have it. It was the seasons one and two, and I mean, like I think I don't know if three had it or not. That they'd have like a one-off episode of interdimensional cable, where it's just the like Rick plugs a thing into a TV and starts getting these random channels from all over the multiverse, and it would just be these like weird, dumb commercials for things. And those episodes were fun, and they haven't had one. they didn't have one in season six, so. Isn't that the one where they just ad libbed a bunch of crazy shit? Yeah. And then yeah, like, people animated. Real fake doors. Just just a store that sells doors. They're all fake, but they're real. They're real fake doors. Um, yeah, and there's like eye holes cereal. It's just like the guy who rips out people's eyeballs and wants to put them in cereal or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, like just the weird stupid humor of the show in full force on on those episodes yeah when they're not up their own ass about <laughs> yeah there's, there's no rick is yeah there's no because it is just all these commercial things you know there's not much rick there's no you know rick preaching about how being a cynical bastard is a good thing or you know them trying to psychoanalyze his character and show why he's an asshole because you know people started taking him seriously because you, know, you weren't supposed to take him that seriously but yeah i don't know season six was yeah yeah um and you yeah, watched don't... a couple disney movies yeah i watched um cinderella and i really liked it mm. surprisingly because i i thought it'd be like the most stock boring disney movie and it kind of is but mm. Um, also, it's just kind of delightful. Uh, uh, most of it is about mice. Yeah. <laughs> like, Cinderella is probably, like, the, the fourth or fifth <laughs> character, like, behind the two mice and the cat. Mm. Uh, um, like how Sleeping Beauty right. is about the fairies, and not so much the uh, the beauty who is sleeping. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, I haven't watched Sleeping Beauty, and I I think I've seen it. I seen it when I was a kid, but yeah, it's it's weird that that one is newer. Like, you know, I would have thought it came out before Cinderella, because like I don't know what I remember of Sleeping Beauty. It just kind of feels more rote than uh, like Cinderella, like closer Um, to like the Snow White era of like things happen it has a hell dragon witch though yeah yeah. that's cool yeah um cinderella just has this cold-hearted bitch of a stepmother which is which is um she's actually a really good villain yeah (laughs) uh, oh yeah i mean you've also got like bibbidi bobbidi boo which is just a, a catchy earworm of a song yeah, it it really is. Um, yeah, it it was fun and delightful. It, it's probably my favorite Disney movie that I've watched in this thing I'm doing mm. so far. Right, yeah, um, so on on your you know tier list uh, rankings, it's uh, sitting at the top until it's supplanted. Yeah, it would probably be an A. Um, right now, I guess. Mm. I mean, like, there's nothing, 
Well, I, I shouldn't say there's nothing special about it. It was made in 1950. Mm. Uh, that that's special enough. Uh, but I don't know. Like I'm sure it was really good for its time, but right now it's kind of just kind of good because I've seen a million other Disney princess things that are a lot better mm. because Disney Renaissance. <laughs> yeah. Because I was born in the early 90s. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I mean, the Renaissance had to exist because of <coughs> movies like Cinderella that established the the tropes that they would later, you know, have to play with and build right. onto. Um, I like that Cinderella tries to do things and then they don't go good and then she gets helped out by, like, the... The fairies and the um, animals. Because, mm. like, she, she's like, I know, I'll make my own dress. And then she does it. And then... And then her shitty sisters um, rip it up. Yeah, well, she... Then they, they give her a bunch of chores so she can't make it. And then the mice make it. And then she's like, oh my god, this is great. And then her... Her asshole sisters rip it up. Mm. And then the the fairy steps in <laughs> to help her out. Mm. Um, that's cool. Um, yeah, th- there's not much to say about it because it's kind of just basic. Um, oh, the the king and his uh, assistant are really cool. Mm. <laughs> like, like he's he's kind of an asshole, but also, well, I mean, he is an asshole. He tries to murder the guy. Mm. Uh, because uh, he didn't get his son laid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he's kind of a proto sultan from Aladdin. Yeah, just like the fat, silly father character. Yeah. Yeah. Now that now that you mention it, they're basically just kind of the same. Um, except the the sultan is even more childish, even funnier. Yeah. <laughs> even funnier and stupider yeah. yeah um and i guess like bell's father from beauty and the beast is also yeah. that kind of tropey type yeah it it at least the the prince's dad in cinderella didn't do it um like he didn't arrange a marriage he didn't try to arrange a marriage for his son mm. yeah he just, just like, arranged an event and he's like um, you pick one of these yeah. Look, I'm going to get all the finest bitches in the kingdom in this one place, and then you pick the one you like the most, and then you marry her and fuck her brains out and give me grandchildren. Um, And that's basically it, except with child-friendly. Yeah, (laughs) except in a movie where they cannot acknowledge that sex exists or is the reason for any of this. Yeah. It's just marriage. Yeah. And then they, they um, the prince and Cinderella sing a song about love, and all I can think about is, um, I want to know what love is, because that, that's that's the whole that's the whole song. Don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you told that story. That's why I wanna, That's why I referenced it. <laughs> that's the funniest shit. Oh my god. Oh. 
<laughs> Funny story, that was a Catholic Jewish wedding, and I've never been to one of those before. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, anyway. I guess that's why they would, you know, pull the most secular songs for it, because it's like, yeah, it doesn't fit either <laughs> of our religions, and just stick something else they, in it. They, they, pick, they pick the wrong Aerosmith song. They should have done Love in an Elevator. Mm. Uh, which is a song about fucking in an elevator. Yep. <laughs> That'd be a good song for Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Uh, uh, anyway, that's Cinderella. It's actually really good, and I like it. Um, mm. and then I watched Al- Alice in Wonderland, and I really liked half of it. Um, and then the it, it kind of started to wear on me. Mm-hmm. Because it's just weird things happening. And it's like, I get it. This is creative. But also, like, give me something to hold on to. <laughs> like, don't just show me a bunch of weird shit happening for an hour and a half straight. Yeah, like, I haven't read the books, so I don't know invested. if there is a strong plot to the book or how much of it is just a weird drug trip that Lewis Carroll was having. Well, I, I think the... The book does have, because like the the movie is basically just like a stream of consciousness, right? It, it's like, oh, I'm here and now I'm here. I'd like to get home, but I don't know how. Mm. So I guess I'll go here, and then a weird thing happens, and then I'll go here, and a weird thing happens. Yeah, eat a thing and, and drink a thing. She and wakes up. Now there's a caterpillar smoking a hookah. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of card soldiers getting executed. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I actually really like the animation on the card soldiers. That's what kept me invested. Like on the last half of the movie, that I was kind of zoning out on. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess that's one of the things that like works better in animation than trying to do something like that in live action. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm not watching the Tim Burton. Mm. <laughs> the the first Disney live action remake. Yeah, Johnny Depp and their epic quest to save Underland. Yeah, I remember there was like a ten year period where people just tried putting Johnny Depp in weird makeup and expecting it to work like Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. Yeah, they had that there was Lone Ranger. Was yeah, um, other stuff. Yeah, I guess at least there was Rango, and that was awesome. Yeah, I mean he wasn't in makeup, but like if if you see the behind the scenes virtual um, makeup, yeah, like if, if if you see the behind the scenes, like they're like the actual actors are are acting out the scenes, um, but it, it's not mocap. Oh, um, wasn't they just use it as reference? Wasn't Rango the same director, Gore Verbinski? The guy who did uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? I think it was. So, yeah, you know, another case of an actor who, you know, performs better with a director who actually knows how to utilize him correctly. Yeah. I I really want to watch Rango now. Alright, Jade. Mm. Um, one movie. Let's watch Rango <laughs> for next week. Or okay. next recording. Um, I mean, I guess if you find out what streaming service it's free on. Um, or I can look around and see if I have one that's free on. 
Or I can just check right now, I guess, because I'm on my newer computer that will not, hopefully, um, crash on me if I actually just try to Google a thing while recording. Watch this... Watch it's on something weird like Peacock or something. Uh, okay, watch Rango. Netflix subscription, YouTube, $4. Google Play, $4. Prime Video, $4. Redbox, $2. Um, yeah, so it looks like it's on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know. I did see it years ago. I don't remember it that well, but I, I do remember seeing it. It's it's just a really cool animated western with animal characters. Mm. Um, it have you ever seen the Three Amigos with uh, Steve Martin and other people? <laughs> um, no, but I mean, if, since it's Steve Martin, I'd probably enjoy it. Um, uh, let's, let's see. Look that one up. Okay, Steve Martin, Three Amigos is on Short. Amazon Prime and HBO Max, and I have access to both of those, so yeah, I guess I could watch that one. Okay, because, like, that's, it, it's kind of the same idea where, um, it, it's, like, they, they're like, uh, I think like Las Vegas, uh, like show actors um, who do like a cowboy show, mm. um, and then they they go to like an actual small town in Mexico or something where uh, they're actually put in a position where the people think they're heroes. Um, it, it's 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 kind of like a Bug's Life, you know? Oh yeah. Um, where. But then they actually have to turn into heroes at the end, and that—that's basically what Rango is. Where, um, like he's like a he's like a pet uh, chameleon, and he winds up just on the side of the road in the desert, and he finds like a a small stereotypical uh, western town filled with. Uh, you know, like possums and geckos and uh, stuff like that. And there's like a corrupt mayor, and there's the uh, rattlesnake bounty hunter, um, and like a. Is it a gang of like bats? That's like the outlaw gang. I I don't remember. Mm. Um, it, it's. It's really cool. It's really it's really good. I think it won the Oscar for best animated picture. Mm. Yeah, um, I remember it getting acclaim it... at the time, and I think that was part of why I I, I might have rented it. But I think the rental store still existed in my town back back then. Actually, I should look. My local library might have it because if they do, I could just borrow it from there. Okay, it, it's it, it's like one of. I, I think it's it might it might be like one of the only like non Disney winners like in the past fifteen years mm. to when when animate like that in Spider Verse. Spider Verse and What what won recently because I haven't even been paying attention. Uh Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio got it for okay. last year. Okay. Um 
yeah, like I, I haven't even been keeping up, but yeah, Rango is cool. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna watch Rango. You, you don't have to watch it if you can't okay. find it. But well, I'm uh, I'm looking to see if uh, it is. I mean, actually, I don't know the way they've got the library set up now. I can if it's like any of the nearby ones, they have like a delivery system, and they can have it shipped to my library, and then I can just pick it up there. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna watch Rango and the Three Amigos. You can choose uh, but, uh, between those two movies, which or both of them you want to watch, and then we'll talk about it mm. later. Maybe. Yep. Uh, um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I see my local library listed on the online thing. So yeah, I'm gonna just request that name. Cool. Um, I haven't seen Three Amigos since I was like 10 years old, so just a disclaimer, it might suck, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's an 80s comedy, so, well, I mean, we'll see, I don't know, some of them still hold up. I mean, it's a it's an 80s John Landis movie with Steve Martin in it. Mm. Um, right. Apparently it has a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's as bad as The Man Who Knew Too Little starring Bill Murray, then I can always just shut it off halfway through after getting halfway yeah. into the movie and wondering, why isn't this funny yet? And then looking up the Rotten Tomatoes and realizing it never gets funnier. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it as a I kid. I mean, I've heard so. more chatter about Three Amigos over the years, so it's probably got something to it. Like at least I, it's got I, a, I think it, a director I've heard of. I, I think it was one of those movies that they used as like a, a time filler on like Fox Family or something in the early two thousands or late nineties or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got it cheap in a package of movies and just yeah. play it over and over. Cause I think it's like a PG. Like there's no like people get shot, but like there's no blood and. Mm stuff you know okay so what you're saying is we need to hire someone for five dollars to add blood back into <laughs> <three amigos. laughs> you'll get like channel awesome levels of editing yeah first just like yeah just get you know that that phone filter of like you know blood packet <laughs> and just put that over scenes when someone is getting shot yeah like birdemic levels of computer graphics oh. uh, um, so is there anything else to say about Alice um not really like I thought it would be more interesting than it was mm. <laughs> I, I guess like I had expectations for it yeah like that's um, one of the one you know like I've said before like there's a lot of old Disney movies that I watched as a kid but then something happened in them that freaked me out and then I didn't want to watch them anymore um, Alice was a one that I didn't get to watch much because the Red Queen scared my older brother when he had seen it and so then my parents just you know never bought a copy of it and we never really watched it so it's a movie that like I, mean, I knew about but i hadn't i didn't grow up watching it so i don't have any like special fondness for any of the characters i mean she does just blatantly murder like three or four people mm. um in the movie so yeah yeah 
Yeah, a character whose most famous trait is, uh, you know, off with their heads is probably not a fun time. I I love the Kingdom Hearts level in the first game, though. Mm. That, that was actually really creative. Um, basically, there's only like two or three, well, let's say three or four rooms in the whole in the whole world, but um, they get away with it by having like dozens of secret entrances and exits. So, um, like, there's a there's a kitchen room, and you know, there's the the bottle to grow and shrink and stuff. Uh, there's a bunch of like secret interactions, um, and if you go to the if you go to the forest, there's a, a ton of secret exits that'll lead you to, like, different parts of the kitchen room. But it's like, gravity is switched, so now we're upside down. Now we're um, on the side of the wall by the chimney. Um, it's pretty interesting. Mm. Um, I know you haven't played the first Kingdom Hearts game. I think you've only played yeah, three. Yeah, I've right? played three, and I've played a demo of a 3DS one. Okay. The 3DS ones don't play that good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I played the <laughs> demo, and it's like, well, me. this is a fine kind of a beat 'em up with RPG mechanics, but it wasn't yeah. enough to get me interested to actually buy it. Kingdom Hearts One and Kingdom Hearts Two are the only ones that I ever feel like replaying, um, because I like action RPGs, <laughs> and those are those are that. Without much baggage. Um, and I, I just don't like 3 that much. But anyway. Um, play just the... Uh, um, play just the Wonderland level in Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah, like, That's my recommendation. If the Switch versions weren't cloud versions, I probably would have you know bought them and played them. But I just... Yeah. I, I play my Switch on the go most of the time, so if a game requires me to have to be home on the Wi-Fi, you know, it feels like I'm not going to get to play that as much as I would want to. Yeah, it's also like a 40-hour game. Yeah. yeah, and it's also like a 20-year-old game, so it has no reason to be a cloud version except that Square Enix just, you know, wants to reserve the right to pull this off your system anytime they feel like it. Yeah, it and Kingdom Hearts 2 would probably fit on a cartridge just fine. Yeah, like, I can play Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2 on the Switch, you know, fully downloaded, and those are from around the same time. And, you know, fairly big RPGs, yeah. but... Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like, Final Fantasy X was on multiple discs, so... Uh, yeah, Final Fantasy X is on one cartridge, uh, on... Uh, the Switch, uh, I have, yeah, because I, I got that one, it's, it's a single cartridge that has Final Fantasy X, and then ten two. except I think you have to download part of that game to play it. But it does, okay. it runs off the system offline, you know, I, I think, yeah, it requires maybe some download data, but you don't have to be connected to the cloud to make it work. Yeah, I mean, they could put... At least Kingdom Hearts one on a cartridge thing. Yeah, I mean, or Kingdom Hearts or just as a, on a, a download because I assume you know. Yeah. To have a cloud version, it really needs like I can understand the newer Resident Evil games needing to be cloud versions because you know 
the size of the world and the textures and stuff that it would need that extra processing yeah. power to make it all run fast enough but i can't imagine what kingdom hearts for ps2 has in it that you know can't be processed with a switch's processor yeah it's there there's no reason it's just <laughs> like squeenix the, and their weird rules the final mix version of kingdom hearts one came out in like 2004 <laughs> I mean, if they can't, if you can't run a 2004 game yeah. off of a Switch cartridge, then I don't know how like Breath of the Wild fits on it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um. Yep. Well, <laughs> we we successfully rambled. Yep, we got an hour plus of Guardians Three, and then a bunch of other stuff. Because the only other I wrote down. 80s Twilight Zone, because I found the whole series um, as, like, a cheap DVD set, so I started watching that. First couple episodes impressed me by being like, oh, these these are better than I expected of, you know, a Twilight Zone series that isn't the original. Um, but then, you know, some of the stinkers... Like, I don't know, so, some of the episodes really work. Um, a bunch of them are just nothing. Um, but I don't know. Th there was one that like I found it funny while I was watching it, but also it is effective. Uh, it it's this one where it's a guy who, um, like he he's he heads out to work and he's like talking to one of his neighbors and his neighbor. I can't remember what they they say like something. They're they're like talking about their bird, but they call it an encyclopedia. And he's like, what? Okay, that's weird. Um, and then while he's at work, someone says, you know, like they're, they're talking about lunch, but they don't say lunch, they say dinosaur. And then he gets home, and his wife is talking about how their son is sick, and she says that, and he wouldn't even have his dinosaur, or wouldn't even eat his dinosaur. And he's like, no, what, what the fuck? Why are you all gaslighting me? Um, and she's confused, because basically he is slowly traveling into another reality where all the words like all the english words that exist are just like shuffled around with different words um so everyone is confused by him and he's confused by everyone else but also his son is like sick with a high fever and he has to get him to the hospital but he can't communicate because the word what he thinks words mean isn't what they mean anymore um and and then it you know ends with like his son's recovering but he's you know he can't communicate with anyone so he starts like going through a picture book that like shows a picture of a dog but it says like wardrobe uh, or no i think it says wednesday uh, like the word wednesday is the word for dog now um and but uh, so it's it's like i don't know it's an interesting idea but like the performances is what made it funny because it's just this guy you know like when his wife's like your son or our son wouldn't even eat his dinosaur he's like dinosaur dinosaur and i you was know, just like flipping the fuck out about how everyone is using the word dinosaur for lunch and he's like no the word is lunch and she's looking at him like what what are you talking about and it's like lunch yeah what okay what what does lunch mean to you it's like well you know it, it's kind of like the color red but a little bit lighter um so i guess the word lunch means pink <laughs> and the word dinosaur means lunch 
Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's such a weird concept, but they take it yeah. so seriously. Like it is like dead serious. Like oh my god, words are all changing. What's going on? Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like I remember, like in college, I'd seen a few of these episodes because I think they were all free on like Daily Motion or something. So. I'd seen a few, and there was, like, one that, again, it's a season three episode, so it'll be a while till I get to it, but th there's this one where there's, like, this woman who is afraid that, like, you know how sometimes, you know, if you, like, stare at a flat surface for a long time, or not an entirely flat surface, but, like, a patterned surface, that you'll start to see like shapes in it you know that that thing your mind yeah. does trying to connect dots when there's no dots to connect and you know like like staring at clouds you know sometimes you see a pattern in a wall um she's seeing patterns in walls but she believes that it's like a being trying to get through the wall and come and get her um and so like we're introduced to her in like a mental asylum, yeah, like not like, you know, the creepy mental asylum, like a nice kind of mental asylum. She's like, you know, wants to be like in a room with just flat. All the surfaces are flat. There's no patterns. There's no chance that this like entity will find her. And everyone thinks like, oh, she's, you know, neurotic. But um, you know, we'll just keep her here because it calms her down. Um, and then. It, you know, the end is that there's, um, like, a really heavy rainstorm that causes, like, moisture damage to the wall, which starts to create, like, a pattern. And then it was, I just, I remember it being, like, a really creepy effect of, they had, it's like, it's the wall, but they'd replaced it with some kind of stretchy material, so it was just, like, a shape of a person coming through the wall. And then, you know time skip next morning the nurse comes in to check on her and uh she's gone and there's you know no sign of her um because she got grabbed by the things on the wall that's a lot more like directly creepy than most classic twilight so mm. yeah i mean yeah there isn't really like a moral lesson to it it's just creepy thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah, like most classic Twilight Zone is like the idea of this thing happening is creepy. Yeah. Um, not, not just like, well, usually not just like, oh, look, scary monster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and one of the things that does work in this series that doesn't work in some of the other reboots they've done is um like each episode is like 40 minutes i guess it was probably an hour plus uh space for advertising um but it's broken up into segments so it's not like they have to stretch them out because like classic twilight zone season four is noticeably worse than seasons one two three or five because they made the episodes have to be an hour long instead of 30 minutes, which is too much time. Like, you know, the, the kind of ideas they're trying to tell, if you make them that long, it just ends up feeling stretched out. Like, the creepiness goes away, because you 
you get it. Like, you figure it out pretty quick. And, the, you know, like, they just, they work better when you can keep them shorter. And this 80s series seems like, you know, they'll take the episode runtime, but mostly let the sketches, or the, the sections, be as long as they need to be to tell the story. You know, let the, you can have, like, two or three short sections. And there, there's yeah. a couple of them that are too long, you know, like, it, you know, you get a few minutes and like, okay, I get it, and it just keeps going and going, and and those ones aren't as good, but when you can, you know, j- you know that you only need 15 minutes to tell the story, and you tell it in 15 minutes, it, it you know, works better, the scares are punchier, because, you know, th- there's no belaboring it. Yeah, it, it establishes an idea and then it pays it off. Yeah. That that's that's what Twilight Zone was always really good at. Yeah. Is uh here's here's a really weird thing that happens and the, then here's where the horror comes from. Yeah. Like I saw a couple episodes of the well like twenty eighteen <clears> or nineteen <throat> most recent reboot, the one uh Jordan Peele is uh producer, overseer of it. I don't know how many of the episodes he actually was involved in, but and that one had that problem of like the episodes are an hour long and the stories don't need to be an hour long. It it just yeah. draws it out too much. It would have more impact if they could just get it done shorter. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a weird thing with the movie too. Mm. Is that it, it, yeah? It's it just kind of randomly fit, flips between. Um, yeah, because the the movie like is several different. I things. mean, I guess the movie the movie it's like two hours and it's four segments, so each one's about half an hour. But yeah. but yeah, the movie I don't know the tone is just weird in that because they've got four different directors doing their styles like the spielberg section feels like a spielberg movie even though it is an adaptation of a classic episode yeah and i think the movie also did that one with the kid in the cornfield and i don't like that one i don't want to think about creepy kid having that much power over people to just torment them Let's see. What what's the creepiest kid I can think of to scare you with? Um Um Jade hates children. Uh yeah, well I mean generally. Uh working retail will do that to you. <laughs> Fair. But yeah, I mean I don't know creepiest. Uh, scariest might be Joffrey, but that's, you know, less about, I mean, it's less about what they look like and more about what they do that scares me. It's like when you have just this little piece of shit who's got so much power to destroy people, like that's where I'm like, I don't want to, don't want to deal with this. Yeah, I can't think of too many, like, creepy kids that aren't over-the-top, like, Children of the Corn type stuff. 
Yeah. Um, I keep going back to, um, what, Baby Doll from Batman, but, like, that's more sad than anything. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, she's not really a child. She's uh, an adult in a child-sized body. She's, like, in her 40s or something. Yeah, she's, like, an old Hollywood star who just happens to be child-sized. Yeah. God, speaking of heartbreaking mm. <laughs> moments, uh, like the the end of that one. Uh, anyway, we're we're just we're just right. Yeah, now. we're over time, um, and everyone's asleep by now. Good night. Go to sleep. It's fucking bedtime. Mm. If you're hearing this, go the fuck to sleep. Yeah, and go buy the audiobook Go to Fuck the Sleep by uh, Samuel L. Jackson. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>